Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast, where you can hear messages from our church that will directly impact your life. Our hope is that by listening to God's Word, your life will be transformed by the power of His truth. To learn more about our church, visit cornerstonebv.org. Here's another message from Pastor Jamie at the Cornerstone Church. So, um, I brought along with me as we look to finish our series in Philippians, um, something we've all become even more familiar with than we used to be, and that is a uh, thermometer to take your temperature. And I'm not going to take my temperature because if it's high, you'll all run screaming out of here. So let's just hope I don't have a fever. I don't feel like I do. But have you ever felt like, oh, I feel like I have a fever? You take your temperature and you don't. It's like really weird. Or someone takes your temperature and then all of a sudden you have it, right? My my dad at his church is like responsible for the 8 o'clock of like zapping everybody with the, one of those temp guns there, the thermometer guns. Um, and uh, interesting job to do that as people walk into church. And, and But I, I brought it because it, what it ultimately is to do is to measure something, to gauge what is going on in our body that we might not already know. You might feel a little eh, but the temperature says something, right? And you take it and you know, I need to figure this out. I need to get help, right? And, and so the, the, um, the topic of generosity, we're calling the joy of generosity, works in many ways um, like a thermometer and, and, and where we're generous towards and what it says about our heart, not our physical heart, but our spiritual heart. But the cool thing is we're going to see tonight is it's, it's you know, you have the, the thermometer. That, that give, takes your temp, right? But it doesn't really help you, right? It can't help you if you have a fever, you're warm. But, you know, then you take the remedy. And in this case, if you have a fever, you can take some ibuprofen or something else that a doctor prescribes you. You can get over the counter to help, right, or medicine to a remedy. You need both of those things. But in many ways, we're going to see that generosity is not just a temperature of our heart, but it's a remedy as well. And so as we look, to, as Paul concludes this letter, um, this is not, I don't, I don't, I want you guys to, to breathe. All right, let's try that. Right, everyone go. Good. All right. This is not a guilt trip ridden giving sermon. All right. I loathe those because they don't do any good and they're not biblical. The Bible talks about, well, that's why we're using the word generosity. It's not just money, because it, you could be rich, you could be poor. It doesn't really matter. We're called to be generous with what we have. And so it's not as much, uh, we're not taking an offering after this or anything like that, because guilt doesn't get you anywhere. This is about, Jesus talked about it more than anything else, because he said, just like I used with the, the thermometer, that our money, our resources, what we possess and what we do with it shows where our heart is. And he said, you know, where your money is, there your heart is. So generosity can do that. Follow the money trail. Follow the, the, what our heart is set on. Those two things will always go together. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you in thanksgiving and praise. So grateful, Lord, for um, having, being able to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's, it's a little a little different, Lord, than we're used to, um, but we're grateful because there was a few months where we couldn't, and 
and it just set our minds on you, Jesus, and what you did for us and your grace. And so, God, I pray that as we look to close out this letter, you would help us to finish well with this ultimate topic of where our heart is and where it should be. So I pray you would um, meet each and every soul and mind that's in this room exactly where we're at through your Holy Spirit. You know what we need. You know where we are and where we need to go. And I pray you would do that in a way only you can do. Lord, let me just be your vessel and get out of your way, the work you're doing with your people tonight. And so we pray this humbly and gratefully in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, So uh, we are, as I mentioned, uh, 15th and final message in the letter that Paul wrote to Philippi. So uh, if you've been through with us through the whole thing, that's great. If you've caught some of it, and that's certainly better than nothing, and we're grateful for that. Um, if you did bring a Bible, we'll put it on the screen always, but if you did, it's verse 14 of chapter 4, and we're just going to bring it right to the end. And, um, and, and again, as I mentioned, if you don't own a Bible, and at the end of the service you want to grab right at that back wall, they're stacked up, just grab one of those. Uh, they're f- uh, free to you. It's our gift to you. So... Uh, make sure you grab one of those. Uh, only one real quick announcement from me as you're turning, and that's um, this Thursday night at 6 p.m. Uh, anyone who's able-bodied who wants to help us, we need to get stuff from our fellowship hall into upstairs gym where we're storing it while the project happens. So, uh, we, you know, there's not a ton of stuff, but the more bodies we have because it's a lot of chairs and it's kind of like up and down the stairs so um, I don't want to do that by myself so if you can and you're around Thursday at 6 we'll send out an email reminder and a text reminder as well Uh, if you got teens who need service hours or something like that then uh, that's a good opportunity as well Thursday night okay so uh, if you were with us last week we um, uh, started this topic that Paul's closing his letter with and he's incredibly thankful the, Philippi, the, the Philippians, the church in Philippi, had sent a, a financial blessing, a gift to him. But then we really focused on the rabbit trail, right? Remember, he's, he was like, hey, I'm really thankful. But he's like, not that I needed it. Because I've learned through the ups and downs, through the peaks and valleys, through every aspect of my life, I've learned to be content. And then we landed on verse 13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I, I know I put it on my Facebook, but if you didn't see, uh, Timmy and Liz gave me this to me in honor of that verse. And if you can't see it way back, it says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. So uh, I'll have that on my desk. And it also, uh, so I, I love gifts, especially ones that are funny and hold coffee. So it's good. Uh, but if you ask my wife, we got enough mugs, so don't get me <laughs> anymore, unless it's really funny. Uh, but I don't think our mugs are big enough. So there you go. We're likely to get a gigantic mug next week. That's probably what's going to happen. So um, you said to be generous, Jamie. Okay, I got it. All right. So he gets there, but now he kind of corrects his course. He's like, all right, rabbit trail over. Let's get back to thanking them, right? And so um, he, I went too quick. Hold on. So verse 14, he says, yet, right, okay, I've learned to be content. But he says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And, and we're going to find out that he uses a lot of business terms in this. Um, and you see one right away, and it's the word share. In English, it sounds like what we teach our elementary kids, right? You've got to share, you know, and you're talking about pie or something like that. 
but this is actually a, a word that really is better translated partner with. If you were to start a business and you were to get a few people to start it with you, you would be sharing in that business. So how do you do that? You put your money in together, put your time in, your effort, and if it's going to be successful, you've got to all be rowing in the same direction to make that company profitable. And so that word share is what that means. It is a partnership. So, so when he says, I'm really grateful for your kindness, it's because they partnered with Paul in what? Just like we always do in the gospel, in, in souls that need Jesus Christ. It is the most important business that anyone can be uh, about. And so Paul, the Philippian church, and every local church since then right on to us and, and all the local churches around the world right now, are about the partnership of the gospel. And so he's like, you're really, really kind to, to do that. And, and in uh, verse 15, he says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership, there's another business term, with me in, here's another one, giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So repetitively, he started the church in Philippi. They helped him. They helped him. And he, and he said, most churches, right, you're the only ones. And Paul, Paul always was quick to not want help because he didn't want to be accused of being, you know, a traveling salesman with the gospel. And so he, he would make his own way. He was a tent maker, and he would make his own money. So he would refuse help a lot. But so churches received from Paul. But they didn't really give to him. But this, the Philippian church, they always did. They didn't care what Paul said. We're blessing you. And then when he got driven out of Philippi and he went down to Thessalonica, they still, they sent money on ahead. And then there's been this gap because they couldn't find Paul. They didn't know where he was or for whatever reason. But now since they've sent uh, a representative to him, they've blessed him again. He says, time and time again, you have done this. You have partnered with me. And, and almost like a, a business, they've shown their passion by giving the resources, right? And so really the, the, the first point is that generosity diagnoses our heart for Christ and one another. So it's, a, it's, it's the thermometer. It, it, it shows, right, that, that like if, if I right now said to you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of sweating and I'm feeling like looking kind of pale, and you're like, I don't know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, man. Like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you took my temperature, and it was 102.5. He said, get out of here, man. You're sick. Go home. Figure it out, right? And, and because no matter what I say, the, the, the thermometer is going to tell us what's true. And so we can come to church and say we love the gospel, we love the Lord, we love one another, but as, as Jesus would always say, the Bible always makes uh, clear, and Paul says, Follow the money trail. All right, follow your checkbook, follow your Venmo or whatever, follow your uh, credit card. Follow. That is what you're passionate about, always. And, 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 and there's plenty of things we need to, to put our money or our resources towards, that are, but they can uncover idols, things that we wouldn't say we're worshiping, but we are. Things that ultimately we think will satisfy our lives and souls. Right? If I just have that, and even just being able to get it, right? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I definitely um, sometimes feel the, the pull of that. You got your Amazon wish list, right? And you 
go on it and like, if I just buy that, I'll be so much happier, right? And it doesn't even have to be a big thing. It's like just something you really want, better what you are. Maybe, um, you know, you're a tech person, right? Like the iPhone 50 isn't enough. You need the iPhone 51 plus X blue or whatever, right? And, and, and that's just what gets you going, the newest, latest tech, right? Or maybe it's what you fill your home with. You ever notice that uh, you can tell when homes were built what era? For some reason, our families have gotten smaller and our homes have gotten bigger. Some of you are like, we can't invite him over to our house. He's going to judge us. There's at least 10 reasons you shouldn't invite me over, and that's not one of them, okay? Heather will tell you. It's because I'll make a mess of that beautiful home of yours. Not on purpose, but I probably would. But no, I'm not judging you. We all have that. Like, sometimes it's what I put in my driveway, or it's, it's an experience. Like, we're just constantly, if I can just have another experience, and, and these things are fine, but if we follow the, the generosity, because here's the thing, no matter who you are, where you are, you are generous towards someone or something. Just for some, it's generous towards myself, right? Because all generosity is, is to pour out, right? So if I'm pouring out to me or to things that I want, I'm being generous to me, right? Or I'm generous to my kids, and we all are if you're a parent. You're generous to your kids. But at some point, there comes a point where it shows something, that, that all of my, my kids can become an idol. And that's not fair. My two kids are here tonight. Like, that's not fair to put them on the throne that God deserves. That's not fair to them, right, for them to be my God, that if, if they are successful or healthy or whatever you define that is, if they get there, I am, that, that's, I'm perfectly satisfied that's never going to satisfy me. And it ends up putting way too much pressure on them. But we can follow the money trail. See what it is. See if it's a, a political campaign or it's a, a, a you know, again, our, our home or a, an experience or whatever it is that Paul would say, hey, the Philippian church, you put your money where your mouth was. It, it gauges where we're at. It shows what we truly are passionate about. And, and if we're like, yeah, man, I don't really, I can't really help. I can't really do because I have this, 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 and take care of it. And all that stuff, is, is that necessary? And it may be, but usually it isn't. And so it's not that, that I should feel guilty because I have stuff. It's like, where is my heart? That's always, God does not care or need our money. He cares about our heart. And that's as Paul gets more into it, he's going to show us. He says, not in verse um, 17, not that I seek the gift. And I love that. Paul's like, I'm not looking for more. That's not what this is. And as a pastor, that's how I feel all the time. Right? And, and I've said this before. I'll say it again, 100% conviction. When, when there is something to give towards, whether we have a Samaritan fund, which goes towards a lot of people in our community and our church family that need or are hurting, or we have something in the community we're doing, or whether it's just what the church is doing, or now we have our renovation that we're doing, whatever it is, if, if anyone says, I give because I feel guilty, I tell them, keep every single cent to yourself. We don't want it. I knew someone once was like, you don't do a collection on Christmas Eve? There's all these people here. You have two Christmas Eve services, like hundreds of people. Um, and most of them don't go to church the rest of the year. That's not quite true, but that's what they said. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, we don't do an offer. It's not really a, but it's about, we just, you know, celebrate the birth of Christ. And they're like, 
get the guilt offering. <laughs> the guilt offering. That sounds kind of like Old Testament, doesn't it? Like, what are we doing here? They're wrangling people down for money. That's not ever what it's about. It's always about where is your heart and, and our resources, our generosity shows where our heart is. Who and what we're generous towards shows what, where our heart is. So he says that. Don't, I don't seek the gift. Like, don't worry about it. He says, what I actually seek is the fruit. That, by the way, is another business term. It means profit, right? The fruit that increases to your credit. So the profit that you, he says, are going to get by partnering in the gospel and your generosity to me. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, that's the guy who brought the money from Philippi, the gifts you sent. He says, I got enough. I'm not looking for more money. What I'm saying is what I'm excited about for you, Philippian church, is that the the fruit, the profit that God is going to put into your account. And so the principle behind uh, that one is that generosity is ultimately an investment. Investment is such a boring business word, I know. Investments, you know. But think about what investments really are. They are about trust. There's even a fund called a trust fund. If anyone has one, see me after, we'll talk. <laughs> I definitely do not have one of those, and nor will my kids, okay? But it is a trust fund. So, so there's investments. Think about it. You're investing in the market. You're investing in a new company. What are you saying? I trust there's going to be a profit. And sometimes that works out for you, and sometimes it doesn't. But the more confident you are, the more trust you're putting into that investment. And so what Paul is saying is there is an ironclad 100% guarantee investment, and that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in our partnership, in what we're doing, because God is the prophet, and he will put it into your account. You see, this is, um, uh, it could be dangerous territory. We have uh, plenty of churches out there we call health wealth churches that, that, that promise, like, if you give uh, Jamie right now, give me $20, God will put $1,000 in your bank account next month, you know. They, they, I've seen them say that, and it's just heresy from the pit of hell. This is not what the Bible ever guarantees, right? That's not what we're talking about. God may bless you financially. I'm not saying he will or he won't. He will bless you, period. Things that are far more than coins or bills in satisfying ways that you could never get through a vacation or a home or a car or a relationship, that God himself. So what Paul is saying, the more you are pouring out in generosity, you're investing, right, and that you will have such satisfaction that God pours into your life, that it's a beautiful, beautiful investment. And so then he, he, um, um, he gets to the rest of it. He says, look, the gifts you sent are a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He says, and my God, here's that investment again, will supply every need of you according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Like, that sounds good to me. Like, he will supply everything you need to the glory of Christ Jesus. And he says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He basically breaks into song there. It's like a doxology, right? 
Because that's, you know, as much as it's great that you get an investment and God will bless you and that's all good, that's the minor point. The major point is that through our lives together, partnering together, churches like Philippi, churches like Cornerstone, when we do that, we bring God glory. He is glorified in our generosity, right? We please God. In fact, he uses this term, right, that generosity is a pleasing aroma to God. Have you ever smelled a pleasing aroma? You, uh, someone's putting the steaks on the grill, and you're like, mm, right, or maybe your grandma makes the best lasagna or pasta ever, and you smell the sauce cooking like seven days before, or uh, some of you are getting hungry, so I'll calm down with that one, uh, maybe coffee in the morning, or I brought along, because I I can't make bacon or anything up here. Um, but some of you would put the, 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 the candles, right? And, and you'll get it going like this. And, ah, right? There's a pleasing aroma. And, and so what is, um, what, what is Paul talking about saying to God? I mean, is God smelling your generosity? No, it's metaphorical. It's spiritual. It goes back to the Old Testament. The first time ever was when Noah got off the ark. First thing he did when he got dry land, right, and the floodwaters receded, is he built a monument to God and he brought a sacrifice and it said God was so pleased with the aroma, right, that he, he took the, the rainbow as a sign and he promised never to flood the earth again. Right, a pleasing aroma. And then through the law to Moses, the, the Israelites were to bring animal sacrifices and, and they would cook them and there would be an aroma. But here's the thing, God wasn't smelling food, right? He was smelling their hearts. And you can read in the prophets, Isaiah, Amos, Jeremiah, where God says, your sacrifices stink. They didn't just start using smelly animals, right? They were all smelly to begin with. And so it, it was something else. It was same sacrifice, same religious activity. But what he's saying is this stinks because your heart's not there. I don't care about the animal. It's the aroma of your heart. You are pleasing me when you give me your heart. And so you get into the New Testament. Jesus fulfilled all that. We don't do animal sacrifices anymore. It's now the spirit of sacrificial generosity. You read, I was in Acts 10 recently, Cornelius, famous uh, Gentile who, who, who believed in God, but then Paul, I mean, Peter was told to go and, and share the gospel with him. And when they described Cornelius, it said he prayed all the time and he gave alms generously to others. And that was like a memorial offering to the Lord. And so we see this Old Testament to now New Testament for us, the aroma to the Lord that is pleasing to him is our generosity to the gospel to one another, to the poor, right? That when we pour out in the name of Jesus Christ for the purposes and plans of Jesus Christ, and when our heart is there, it's still hard, and there's still times where we're like, ugh, because we're human. That's why it's a sacrifice, right? But when our heart's there, God is pleased with that. And I don't know about you, if you're a Christian, is there anything better than pleasing God? Like, think about all we do. If, if sometimes you get your kid or your grandchild the, the perfect gift for Christmas or birthday. You know this is what they want. And they get it, and they are so happy and pleased, and you spend way too much money, but you don't care, right? Because you see the look on your kid's face. 
Or you buy something for your husband or wife and they are just floored with how awesome it is. And you know that, man, you had to take out a second mortgage to buy it. But you don't care right then and there. Imagine then that something pleases God. Why should we be so worried about what it might have cost us here and now? It's a sweet, beautiful aroma to our Father that brings him glory. That's the point. Again, if I'm giving because I'm legalistic and someone told me I need to give and, and, the, and the, this person needs money and I'm kind of grumbling, and that's not pleasing. That's where God would say, that stinks. Keep it in your pocket. I don't need your money. I don't need your, I don't need your generosity. What I need is your heart. Right? That's why I can uncover the idols of our heart. And in the end, it is so pleasing to God. And so, um, that beautiful aroma is what we want to send up. So let's finish the letter. This kind of um, is Paul uh, closing things down. It's really off topic a little bit, but we don't want to say we didn't finish it all. And then we'll land the plane on that last point, right? He says this, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So that's just kind of like goodbye, you know. Hey, I want you church leaders to greet everybody in the Philippian church. I love them. Tell them I love them. Oh, and all the people that are with me, they said hello. And the church, if he's in Rome or wherever he's in prison, remember that was a debatable thing. We're, we're, we're all just, it's just this awesome kind of fellowship. We love you. You love us. It's, we're with you. You're with us. We're partnering even though we got miles in between, right? But then he doesn't close quite there. He closes as he began. He says this, the grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I don't know if you remember, the very first line of the letter was grace be to you. And now the last line is may more grace be to you. Grace, it's a beautiful name, isn't it? That's why I named my daughter Grace. It's a beautiful word. But do you know what it means? Tom talked a little bit about it during communion. It means God's un earned, unmerited favor that while we were sinners, while we were separated from him, while we were headed for destruction, while all of that was true, God said, I love you, and he sent his son to die in your place, to take it all, not because you did something for it. See, so I've known people, maybe you're one of these people, that the, is the, the, the barrier between you and, and your faith in Christ is you can't believe in grace. You think you gotta do something, you gotta earn it back, you gotta work off the sins in your life, you got to do, and, and, and you can never do it, and so you give up, right? It's exhausting, right? That's what Tom was talking about. The gospel just simply says, no, no, God's grace, the most profound example of grace is the cross, right? And so if you're a Christian, you know this grace on the deepest level, and so, so what's weird, though, is Paul is saying this to Christians. I want more grace applied to your life. I want you to experience grace even more, even deeper in a level that you've never experienced before. May grace fill you. And so how great is it when we sometimes hear a sermon, it could be on any topic, right, that sometimes we feel guilty because, oh, man, I blew it. And this one can be a big one. Oh, what do I spend my money on? I do have some idols, and oh, my goodness, right? And, and so this is such a great way to close to say, don't forget about God's grace. His love for you yesterday is no more or less. 
And today or tomorrow, having nothing to do with what you do, what you give, how generous you are, his love is derived from him. That's grace. Otherwise, it would be a wage you've earned, and you haven't earned that. And so what I invite each, including myself, to do when we feel the weight of that is to sit in those beautiful, just picture uh, pools of spring washing over you called grace and breathe. You are never going to achieve anything to God. You're never going to be generous enough that God says, you've earned your way into my kingdom. Never. And so what it is, generosity is because we love God. It's because he's done so much for us. We want to reflect his character because nobody's more generous than God. For God so loved you, he sent his only son to die for you. Has there ever been a more generous act? That is the character of God. And so we are generous to reflect the character of God, to please God, to see God bless in ways that that stuff that we're trusting in will never satisfy. So whatever might come of this, leave here tonight knowing on a deeper level God's grace. He loves you. He loves you. He died for you. He's got such plans for you. Don't feel like God's disappointed in me. He wishes I better. No. God already knew the sins. When, when Jesus died, he knew them. Right? It's not about that. It's about saying, all right, God, you've done so much for me. I want to, to please you with my life because I love you. It's relationship. I don't give a gift to my kids or to my wife because I'm hoping they'll love me back. That's terrible, right? It's because I love them. And that's how it works with God. He's already poured out. He already has everything. He just wants our heart. And so that's how Paul closes this beautiful letter of joy. And so... Um, let's land this topic together. Generosity is both the diagnosis and the remedy. Remember the, the, the pills as well as the thermometer. So it does show us if there's idols in our heart, right? It shows us that. Like, oh boy, yeah, I'm really getting kind of my house right now as an idol or my car or my kids or my, you know, you know, rest or relaxation time or something, is it's showing that. I follow the money trail, and man, I'm putting a lot towards that, and, and, and it can be uncomfortable. And our, our usual human response is excuses or to get defensive, and that's where you need grace. God loves a contrite heart. Just say, Lord, man, I need more grace in this. So it does sort of show that, but the awesome thing is, is as we become more generous, Right? And give, where God calls us to give with a cheerful heart, right? With compassion. And as we do that, we begin to see God start crediting that profit into our account. Not necessarily money, right? But the satisfaction and the, and the stuff that God will give you. And, and the thing is, because it's about your heart and trusting Him, He doesn't necessarily show you what that's going to be like until you do it. So, as, and, and many of you know this already, as you become generous or more generous, you become more and more satisfied. Your relationships are more satisfying. There's things in your life that are far more satisfying. And so then you step back and you realize, wow, right? And, and, and the only way you're going to get there is the remedy is being generous. Just try it. So that's what's awesome. Seeing where I'm generous right now, who and what, shows me whether I got idols in my heart. 
but then being generous towards the gospel and towards God and towards the Lord Jesus and towards one another will start being the remedy. And you know why? I start to realize the stuff that I put my satisfaction in it was really nothing in comparison to the glorious riches of Christ. I know for me, just as a, a testimony, um, I, I, a lot of you know this, but I, I came to Christ in college. I think I was 21, 20 or 21 years old. And I began to grow in my early 20s. I got married to, to Heather and um, read my Bible, got in ministry and church, all the God doing so much. But man, this being generous, giving, was probably the last big thing that I fought. And I didn't mean to fight it, but it's just an issue for me. Because I remember um, we were in our early 20s and married one year and we decided on a whim to buy a house. That's not really a good idea, kids, all right? Um, and and we, we did that and, and, and I, I started to kind of regret it a couple of years, you know, a year or so later when I watched all of our savings dwindle. We weren't getting, bringing enough money. We shouldn't have done that probably, right? And so the first thing for me, I was managing our finances, was to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop giving to the church. I'm going to, you know, not every week, but just not give as much as we were. I mean, what does God really need that? We got to pay our bills, right? And I, and I did that. And I'm just telling you, I can't give you any concrete examples. It just never worked out, ever. It just didn't work out. And so I don't even remember if it was a sermon, a verse I read, or in my prayer. I don't even remember the day. I just remember early on, God laid it on my heart, stop it. Start trusting me. Why won't you trust me? And so we did. I just said, well, that's it. I'm never doing this again. And I don't know. I'm sure we've missed here or there. But for the most part, we just give. And it's not always easy because I can be cheap and I can worry about money and all of that, right? There's other areas that come really easy. And for some of you, generosity comes really easy. But, but for me, it, was, it still can be hard at times. But I have found that in God's grace, he has just poured out in ways we do not deserve. We've never lacked Ever. And I'm just here to tell you, we should. <laughs> we should. We've messed up so many times. Even how, like, like what ended up happening a few years later was the, the uh, if you remember the early 2000s, the housing bubble, whatever they called it, blew up and everything, prices went up. You couldn't get a loan and all of that. That, that. that happened just a couple of years later. We probably never would have been able to buy a house, at least for a long time. And, and the equity we gained in that. And so, was that luck? No. Was that wisdom from us? No. It was God's grace. And I believe part of that is because we just said, we're going to be generous. We're going to trust God, even with our mistakes and where we kind of blew it. God will take care of us, and he always has over an abundance this is a principle that has nothing to do with how much money you might have. I would invite any of our students to, to I don't care if you have $10 in a piggy bank. Generosity is saying, you know what, someone can have two. That's a lot if you have 10 bucks. It's like 20%. Or maybe somebody's like, you know what, take it all. I don't know what it's doing in my piggy bank. I'll give it to this cause or give it to, because, because that is the heart God's looking for you. Now, I'm not saying if you're not a Christian, then that's the cart before the horse, right? You're, you, you, especially our students, like you're not a Christian just because you're in a Christian home. 
You're a Christian if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and you know it, man. You're not perfect. You're growing, but you know you love him. You know you want more of him. That means you're saved in Christ. If, you have, if you're bored and you're like, I don't really care about this, I mean, I love you, but you're not a Christian. You're just not. Right? So that's the question you got to talk about. Not where are you doing with your generosity. It's what do I do with Christ? But once you are, even if you're a student, college student, or high school student, or even low, like start now. Don't wait until I have it. Man, right now is pretty good. If, if your, your parents are still paying for most of the bills, right? You can risk more. Like, oh, well, I can't go to McDonald's this weekend. Oh, well. It's not your electric bill or your grocery bill that you're, you're worried about. So start now. It's a principle of generosity that you will see. God bless you in ways can't be explained because he's saying, you got to trust me. It's always about trust with God. And so wherever you are at, if you are already, let's be honest, a really generous person or people, family, then keep going. Like, just keep going and keep sharing your testimony. Don't be afraid. We're often afraid because it usually involves money, and we're like, it sounds like we're bragging. But don't, like, don't brag, obviously, but tell people the testimony of what God has done for you because you've been faithful in your generosity. That inspires others to say, I need to do that, right? So keep going and and share your testimony with others. And if you're one of those sitting right now going, man, I need more of God's grace. I know I got some idols. We're all in that boat. We all are, to some degree or another. So don't leave here guilt-ridden or crushed. Leave here in those beautiful pools of springs of God's grace. Let it wash over you and say, what do I do now? What do I do now? The past is in the past. How can I be more generous to others, to the gospel right now? Let's pray. Father, you are, as I mentioned in the message today, Lord, You are the prime and perfect example of generosity. That you would save us in our sin. That you would look at me, someone who had just rebelled against you in so many ways, and say, I want you. What an example of generosity we have, God. And then you have poured out so much. We sit in this room knowing we have family, we have friends, we have experiences, we have all of that. We have air we're breathing. Most of us get in cars or ride bikes home. That's from you. You are generous. You've blessed us and it pleases you to bless us. But it also pleases you when we bless others, when we partner and share with one another and give And so that aroma we want to more and more go up to you, our sacrifice of generosity. Lord, for those who are here and and, and are already just doing so much, God, give them favor. Show them how pleased you are with that to keep going. Father, for those of us who might have areas of our life that we're being generous towards, it isn't you. Lord, just convict us, but then remind us of your grace and allow us to begin again today. Most importantly, Lord, I pray for anyone in the room who's just never trusted in Christ. They've never known the beautiful, unearned grace found at your cross, Lord Jesus. That tonight they would just say yes to you, 
not knowing all of the implications of that, but knowing that they could never earn their own salvation or, or, or earn off their sin. They just know they need you as a Savior, and they want you as their Lord, and they cry out to you right now. And God, would you remind them that all who call out in the name of the Lord will be saved, wherever they've been, whatever they've tried, wherever they've, they've failed. They can have your grace. They just need to trust in you. Call them to salvation tonight. And Lord, as we sing this last song, it's, a, it's, it's words of praise. May they not just be on our lips, but may they be from our hearts. For you are a God who saves and blesses and favors. You're a God we're going to spend eternity with. Give us the voice. Give us the heart. For some of us with great joy right now, some of us through struggles, to worship you, O Lord, our King and our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to the Cornerstone Church podcast. To listen to more messages or check out our church, please visit cornerstonebv.org. If you are looking for a church home in the Blackstone Valley, please join us on a Sunday morning at either 9 or 11. We are a gospel-centered church where our lives are transformed by the power of God's word.